Welcome to Crossroads, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and Christian living. Crossroads is part of the media ministry at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. Get to know us by visiting us online at fapc.org. Hi, I'm Jamie Staley, the Director of Christian Education at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. And I'm here today with Reverend Dr. Jonah So, who is our new executive pastor here at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. And I am so excited that he is able to join me uh, today. Uh, Last summer, we spent some time sharing stories with each other in this podcast. We heard from people in our congregation about their lives, about race, about all sorts of things. And one of the reasons that we did this is just to get to know each other a little bit better. And as we get to know one another, we begin to have empathy for one another. This summer, we are continuing with that. And I thought it would be so fun to get to know uh, Jonah a little bit better. Um, So I am going to start off with kind of a more serious question, but I hope uh, folks at home will uh, join us with some levity and some fun questions in just a little bit. But thank you so much for joining me today, Jonah. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Um, I don't hear the music yet, but I'm sure with the podcast, we're going to have that fun music to, to you know, cover up this kind of uh, just my talking. <laughs> Absolutely. So much fun music. <laughs> oh. Um, so I guess, first of all, um, for those who haven't had a chance to read The Voice or didn't get a chance to hear your introduction a couple months ago, um, can you just give us kind of a, a brief, brief bio? Uh, you know, where where'd you grow up? Uh, when did you feel called to ministry? That sort of thing. Thanks. Yeah. The more questions, better, because then I don't have to turn it into a narrative, which is one of those <laughs> things about talking about me that, that uh, I never really um, uh, enjoy. I don't know what it is. I don't think I'm shy, but it's just one of those things. But um, the opportunity just to share a little bit about myself. Um, I was born in South Korea, and my parents moved um, from Korea to the United States when I was three years old. Um, and shortly after we arrived, um, uh, they had my sister, who was born in America, and pretty much I grew up um, in New Jersey. So um, I lived with my cousins early on. And in fourth grade is when we kind of moved to our own home in Parsippany, which I think is where you live. Yay. That's right. I didn't go, oh, Ma, why are we moving to Parsippany like Ralph Macchio did in The Karate Kid? But um, I grew up in Parsippany um, and uh, uh, pretty much uh, – spent my childhood and high school going through um growing up in Persephone. Um I would say that school life was one thing and then church life was another. So it just kind of ran side by side. Um I grew up in church. Um I was it was not just like let's go to church and, you know, leave. It was we're going to church and we're uh staying there all day. Um and so that's that's the kind of uh um uh, growing up that I did in New Jersey. Um and then I went to uh, college in the city, NYU. Then right after that, went to Princeton. And from there, um, I went into ministry. Oh, when did you uh, first feel called to ministry? Or how did you, you know, when was that for you? I would say that being part of the um, church was a big thing. Um, uh, I never, I always felt comfortable in, in a school setting and with my friends. But I would say that in a church setting with, with um, Sunday school or children's church and youth group, that was such a big part of my life where I felt uh, connected, seen, and understood. And I would say that 
um, this sense of calling to ministry took hold as early as like ninth grade. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, it was um, um, going to um, church retreats, especially youth group retreats in the winter and in the summer. These were very important, informative times for me, where I uh, felt uh, very connected with my. Um, church friends felt uh felt felt very connected with with god and through the retreats got a chance to be around youth pastors and and um other educators who um really just demonstrated their love for us and that impacted me and that's when um i believe that i was hearing a call to go to ministry Mm. So this was actually one of my later questions, but I'm going to ask it now because I feel like it's related. How would your 10-year-old self react to what you're doing now? You said ninth grade, but I don't know what you were thinking earlier. Sure. Um, I feel like, well, I had to actually look up. What was 10 years old? <laughs> it was like fifth grade, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, there's another question that, that you might ask later about like what my uh, favorite age growing up mm-hmm. is. But I would say something along the lines of like that 10-year-old fifth grader would look at my life and say, oh my gosh, you're so boring. (laughs) Um, In the sense that fifth grade, I was coming into myself, learning to laugh at myself, learning to uh, um, be more adventurous. Mm. Um, And uh, that word adventurous has recently in my adult years been a word I've been trying to reclaim. (laughs) And so (laughs) safe, uh, you know, controlled, um, (laughs) these very boring words to a 10-year-old is what I think my uh, 10-year-old would see me and say, gosh, you're so boring. But then I would have to be like, no, but this is what I do. And then they'd be like, oh, you're so cool, maybe. No, but but for the most part, that sense of um, adventure, risk, just just not planning and just doing, that kind of stuff, uh, my fifth, five, uh, uh, 10-year-old self would be like, oh, my gosh, how, how do you live? <laughs> Oh, that's so great. You know, I want to give us a chance. I want to give people a chance to get to know a side of you that they may not, you know, feel comfortable asking or some things that are more fun, um, some more fun questions. So my first one is, and I know there are, you're not going to get a lot of days off here with this new job, but what is your favorite way to spend a day off? That's, that's so fun. Um, obviously like, the answer has to be when I have a wife and kids. Oh, I love spending time <laughs> with them, which I do, which I do. But I, I take this fantasy question to be like, what if you had the day all to yourself? Um, um, with that, um, I, I love to, um, uh, hobby-wise, I love to play golf. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until I started playing golf in seminary that my eyes opened to how beautiful nature was. Mm. Before I started playing golf, nature essentially did not exist in my world. I didn't never, <laughs> never noticed a beautiful sky or green grass or birds chirping in trees. Um, it wasn't until I walked on my own on a golf course that I looked around and said, my goodness, God made such beauty and I'm so thankful to be enjoying it here. And so um, golf would be one of the ways that I, I enjoy spending a day for myself. Mm. Another is I love shopping. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I, I think like 
One of the things about me is I love finding like what we would call like a diamond in the rough. I love rummaging through the sale um, rack and um, most of it is stuff I would never buy. Mm -hmm. But every now and then you just find that thing. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's only whatever uh, amount uh, compared to what I would buy. And so um, I really love to shop um, and I love shopping for myself, but I would definitely say that um, having um, a wife, I love shopping for her and finding things. Mm. And then having kids, I love finding little things for them too. So um, that's something I love to do without being hurried. This weird sense <laughs> of hurry up, get what you want. But just the, just the freedom to just peruse and browse and go one by one, put it down and come back to it. Stuff like that is what I love to do if I have time to myself. That is so interesting. I would not have thought that. Do you enjoy thrift stores or like pawn shops, that kind of shopping too, where you find the, the rare jewels there? I can't say that I know like the, the pawn shops too well. I know the concept, but more than that, it's like new things that are new okay. for like super cheap. And, and it makes you think, why would I ever pay like the original price? That kind, that kind of feeling. So to me, um, it's more like new at a steeply, steeply discounted price that makes me all excited. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. Um, I, so we are doing this podcast in Jonah's office, and I just looked over at his desk and noticed that he has uh, Ron Chernow's um, biography of Hamilton on the desk. Uh, and so my next question is, uh, you can't answer it with this one because it's not fictional, but what is your favorite fiction novel? <laughs> so I was like, oh, how do I answer this? Because there's that recency effect. So let me just say this first. So during the pandemic, I was just like, I want to read. And it was... I, I got Amazon Unlimited, <laughs> not at full price. That was like a trial. No, and definitely then, not right? at full price, right? You shopped around. <laughs> I, I, I signed up for that two-month or three-month free thing, and then I just started seeing what, what can I read. And then after I finished reading Binge, I stop, and then I get an ad for like 99 cents. I was like, oh, okay, sign me up again. <laughs> so in any case, I came across this um, uh, author called Will White, um, and he – the traveler's gate trilogy was free so i just started reading it and i was i was totally immersed in it and i was like this guy i like his writing is it it's just fantasy fiction um like swords and stuff like that and and magic um but i read it and and it just it got me like the character development it was just like i was like, oh, I, I, I see myself and and like kind of walking along and seeing this and then he wrote also a, a series called the cradle it's nine books and i just read one and it's happened every time i finished like the subscription ran out and then I would wait and then another one come up like, oh, okay, now let me see if I can find a sale price to get back on. Um, and so I read all of those. So this, um, Will White is my pandemic fiction discovery that I just really enjoy his writing. It's fun. It's easy, it's quick read, easy, but the characters are relatable and, and, and likable and things like this and you see them develop. So I like that. But if I had to answer, what is my favorite fiction novel? Like in some sort of meaningful way. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to answer Old Yeller. Oh. So I guess it falls into the historical fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it, it left an indelible mark on me because, again, in fifth grade when I read it, I read that book for – now, to be honest, I don't know if I read it because it was due for school or it was one of those books that after we were done with it, I was like, oh, let's try reading it now. Uh, but I read it and I remember after reading that book, crying. You know, I, spoiler alert, uh, you know, I won't even say it, but, but yeah, something sad happens and I just 
cried. And it was so weird because was, I had never cried reading a book before. I mean, come on. Um, so I read this book in fifth grade and I just started crying. But that wasn't it. After I cried, I was like, what's wrong with me? I thought about it and then I cried more. I literally cried, I think, three or four times that night. And I'm not talking like little, like, like, like teary eye. I was outright wailing, sobbing, wow. crying. Like, I, I, I didn't know what's going on. And, and, and it was just so moving. And, and that's what I remember. Hmm. And I got to say, if, if a book made me do that, <laughs> that was a good book. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm not sure I've ever read Old Yeller. <laughs> But I already know the ending, so it's okay. That's why I didn't read it, because I knew it was sad. And sad animal books are the saddest. <laughs> oh, but um, knowing that, um, I recently, um, actually maybe some months ago, we, we watched the Disney make of the movies on Disney+. Plus. Uh, not like the book, but you know, it was fun to be able to talk about the book with my kids. Um, and um, they didn't read it yet, but they, they got to see the Disney happier version, I suppose. Oh, is the Disney version happier? Um, it doesn't leave the dramatic impact of, okay. of what happens because you have happy music playing in the background. <laughs> so that, that curbs the sense of loss, if you will. <laughs> I understand. So they didn't cry or feel this strong oh, no, no, emotion. No, 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 no. It was, it was a triumphal kind of thing more than, a, oh my gosh, did that just happen? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, so my next question is another fun one. Um, what was your, uh, if, it, if it's 10, I, say, I feel like all your answers here have been fifth grade. <laughs> fifth grade was really moving for you, apparently. What was your favorite age growing up and why? I would say that the youth group days, the entry into youth group. So that, that was kind of end of fifth grade, start of sixth grade. Um, grew up, use, I would use the word shy. Um, uh, couldn't stand attention drawn to myself, um, uh, that kind of thing, because I was, I was so embarrassed by everything. Um, and quiet and, and reserved, not very sociable. But in fifth grade, I met friends who kind of were constantly on our bikes, just you don't see it these days, but we were like that on BMX gang, riding all <laughs> over town, riding all over Parsippany, going here and there, riding our bikes, playing baseball. Um, and so that was fifth grade entry into like social life. Um, and um, that kind of helped me realize, wow, this like being personable, being around friends was meaningful. And I'm so thankful for that. But fifth and sixth grade was the entry into like the youth group days where it's not just these young kids. Now I'm with a bunch of older, <laughs> like middle school, high schoolers. And, and I start seeing what cool looks like and, and seeing like what, what it would be like to be around them. Um, and that's when I decided in a weird way to reinvent myself, to, to get over me being shy and kind of learning to laugh at myself. So sixth grade, I, I learned to not take myself so seriously. And, and the, the skill or ability to learn to laugh at myself was um, huge. It was like life changing to me. Um, and I, I don't know, this is like, it seems silly, but you know, like I'll just say it here. So we're like, um, you, know, you know, when people fart, you get embarrassed. <laughs> Fifth grade, sixth grade was where I started learning to own it and use it to break the ice. Not just break wind, but break the ice. Yeah. Um, in the sense of like, you know, you fart and it's an awkward moment. But then when you fart and you like grin and laugh at it, now I own that. 
And that helped me get over being embarrassed. Mm. And so doing that, and obviously I got pegged as like disgusting, but- <laughs> You were a middle schooler. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that really helped kind of bring out more of the outgoing personality. It was like my, my, my uh, uh, experimental, like how do, I, how do I, you know, get used to myself and, and, and get over being embarrassed by everything. So let's take the most embarrassing thing possible and try to like not be embarrassed by that. So I think that that's what did it. And so those are some fa like fun times of, of uh, you know, again, adventure and just being risky and weird and, and not being apologetic about it. Mm. That's a that's an interesting self discovery right there. I have I haven't I'm not sure I've heard quite that type of self discovery before. <laughs> Um, I am going to, I hope this doesn't throw you off too much. I'm going to throw in one question that I hadn't because I saw that Hamilton book over there. What is your favorite Broadway uh, production? Uh, my, so actually, like when I got tickets to Hamilton, when it opens up, I was so excited because like during this pandemic, we watched it like. Sometimes we watch it like three times in a day. You know, it's wild how many hours we've spent watching and listening to it because um, it's free on Amazon Prime, that album. But um, uh, I, I, I've watched Beauty and the Beast twice. I've watched Lion King twice. Um, and I watched many others kind of. But, but I, I say those two twice because Lion King is not just an awesome Broadway to me, like the, the, the production, like when you see the animals come out in the beginning, like, oh, my gosh, this is for real. But... Um, uh, to me, just the the story of Lion King has always been like it's like one of my favorite animated movies, mm. um, and so I feel like I have to answer um, Lion King. Um, if I if you gave me the question sooner, I feel like Sorry. I could kind of go through the Rolodex <laughs> of what did I watch, what did I really enjoy, but I definitely think that Lion King kind of just because. Um, it can do no wrong in my mind and heart because of the story and the music and um, and actually like that the the extra song that was you know a few extra songs are in the Broadway mm -hmm. show to make it longer but um, that that song he lives in me he lives in yours uh, I forget what it is but it was really mo moving mm -hmm. uh, and I remember having a very spiritual moment um, when I was watching the Broadway show and I was like this wasn't in the Disney you know cartoon <laughs> but it was very powerful and mm -hmm. and um, so. I would say that, that that's uh, my favorite. I, I really loved Lion King. The, the costumes, just those colors yeah. and all that awesome, you know, the big birds and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right, so we're, we're going to get a little deeper here, um, but also still fun. So if you could go to dinner with any three people, living or dead, who would they be? It can be individual dinners. They don't all have to sit together if I they see, aren't going to get along. Okay, the three people on my like dinner list, <laughs> and uh, they're no particular order, but I just kind of put it there. Uh, David Chappelle would oh, be one of them, right. um, not just for his laughs and things, but the more uh, obviously, like for me, stand-up comedy is something that I I, I love, mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I'll just throw this in there. Like my wife and I, kind of, I always want to go stand-up comedy. I went to NYU, and I never, I bought ticket, but I never went. And I did, I just, I, like, I, that was my chance as a college student to go in and kind of check it out. But I bought the ticket and I just never went. And until like 20 years later, my wife, you know, I was just talking. It's like, I've never been to a stand-up show. And she took me and I was like, I can't believe I never, you know, went. But this is the story that's so funny. It's like, we went to Comic Strip Live, we were there watching. And then these first five were so funny. And then after a certain time, it got 
precipitously terrible. Really? And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> but then it turned out that the main show was done and it was open mic night, but I didn't know that. <laughs> and it just got worse and worse. I was like, what happened to the quality? And, I was like, and everyone started leaving. So I was like, I'm not like, I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm staying. And we were literally the last ones. And, and But what ended up happening was watching them crash and burn but they did it with such gusto and I was fascinated by it. It was like watching a train wreck. I couldn't take my eye. I was like, I can't believe <laughs> they're doing this in front of an audience. And it was just so bad. But I was like marveling at this horrific performance or just falling on their face and just, but they would, they were there. And, and the craft of stand up and the timing, all that stuff, which is part of like preaching as well. Yeah. Um, so with all the respect to stand-up comedians, David Chappelle's obviously his skills, but as I watch a lot of his stuff, like the commentary he makes along the way, mm -hmm. the message, if you will. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, the insights, the, the, and the way he says it and the way that we're laughing the whole time, but that you're like, dang. And you find him, you find referencing like, you know, that thing he said, like the way that you would do a sermon, you hope. Um, so he is just someone that I, I, I would love to just be around because the man is just hilarious. Mm. Um, the way he says it, the way his mannerisms, all of that. And it's just like, um, I would love to, like, I try to be a student sometimes of what he does. And, and so that's something. Mm. Um, so he was one that I would love to have dinner with. Uh, another person would be Alexander Hamilton. Okay. Um, to see if he's anything like... <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Miranda's uh, 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 version of portrayal yeah. and the kind of person that uh, um, uh, Chernow was kind of depicting. Yeah. So I just, oh, I'm, I'm marveling to, 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 like, yeah, immigrants, we get the job done. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. I, I, I resonate with that, that immigrant story. I resonate with um, him being the right-hand man. Mm. And and I gotta say, coming to Fifth Ave, <laughs> this was on this playlist was on full blast because I was like, he he's me, I am him. <laughs> I want to be right hand man. That's what I want. I don't want to be George Washington. Yeah. I, I want I want I want to be next to the greatness and and learn and, and see what's going on and and, and the, just so Alexander Hamilton's life just was fascinating to me. Um, and so he is someone that I would just be like, are you everything that the myth is? Mm. That would be one. And um, I was like, okay, what the third spot? What are you supposed to say? And I was like, uh, being pastor, I feel like I have to do someone biblical, right? So, <laughs> so Ooh, I was going to put in there, don't say Jesus. I know, right? right, right. So I like, are we supposed to do the, like, the Jesus? So was it really two people that you're supposed to? But, okay, so if it, like, it the spot that would have gone to Peter most of my life <laughs> I would actually now, in this question, say um, I would replace Peter with Thomas. <laughs> oh, okay. Because Thomas, to me, in recent years, has like zoomed up the popularity charts. <laughs> uh, the polls have gone up as far as my interest in the character. Because I always find myself like, Peter, oh my gosh, just brash, just, just taking the step, walking on water without even looking and being like, what am I doing? I'd be like, oh, that's the way I live and want to live. And the 10-year-old me wanted like mm -hmm. resonate with Peter. Just do it. Yeah, I'll go. And then now I'm like, Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas. <laughs> like, that's a stinky little <laughs> yeah. moniker, you know? And, and, but like when we see like when Thomas says, let us go, like Jesus wants to go back to Jerusalem and he goes like, 
let's go with him and die with him. Because, you know, they're like, yeah, they want to kill you, man. Are you sure you want to go? And Thomas is like, yeah, let's, let's go die with, with him. <laughs> and, and so the, he, he exhibits great, tremendous uh, courage. But then the doubt and the unwillingness to accept it as is the way that Peter might do it, that, that resonates with me. The sense mm -hmm. of you're allowed to question. And that's actually related with kind of how I even teach Bible study or even in preaching is like question everything it's okay not just blindly receive which is great in itself but the sense of question everything and just make sure you know why and, and it's okay um, and so Thomas became kind of more along the lines of my later resonating of like yeah I can have my doubts other people can have their doubts and still experience tremendous things and you'd be a part of Jesus's inner circle without being the guy who's like yeah I believe that kind of thing mm -hmm. um, that reasonable, um, rational sense of wanting to know, um, and yet still being such a faithful um, follower and courageous follower of Jesus. Um, so yeah, Thomas would be like someone that would be like, how'd you, how'd you deal with that, uh, you know, that, that instance <laughs> where you're like, oh, Thomas, do you now believe? And you know, um, so that, that, I would love to have a dinner conversation about it. Tell me about that. Hmm. Would you have, one last question, would you have this dinner all together? You'd separate them out. I think it would be so would funny to have the three of them. You know what I mean? I, I imagine it would be so weird and, 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 and hilarious. Um, and it would be so fun. One-on-ones would be great too. But I, I imagine it would be a fun <laughs> meal letting people throw in whatever it is and, and um, hearing the wisecracks and, 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 and all of these things that, that come along the way, especially with the, the comedian there. Yes. But I imagine they're, they have their own wit and, and, and hilarity that they bring to the table. And um, I would like to thank my own. Um, so... <laughs> Like I joke around saying like I feel like I, I don't even I don't even know if I want to go on record. Maybe I'll have I'll have Emily strike this, but like to me I would say like I crack me up more than anyone else because I love my own sense of humor. That kind of, I always say that to my wife. I'm like, I have the same problem. I, 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 I like the, what goes on in my head that cracks me up. You know, there's like there's this humor in it. It's weird, caustic, and I don't know. It's just a weird, but but it it, it resonates and it, and it, I I tickle myself. <laughs> Yeah, my, my daughter always tells me that I'm funnier. I'm funnier to me than I really am. <laughs> She's like, Mom, you're not as funny as you think you are. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay because, you know, for myself, like me being my own audience, sometimes that's all right. Yeah. But yeah, so um, uh, humor to me, maybe it's a downfall of mine, but I, I find levity and humor in all things so important. Mm. And again, that's another reason why comedian life is so good because... Like, they're like, that's inappropriate. But then their whole world is, yeah, well. <laughs> and so they, you, you get a certain angle on it that, again, might be uh, rude or whatnot. But there's just a sense of you can find levity and humor in any situation. Mm -hmm. And I like the perspective. Yeah. Timing is, of course. Of course. But, but, that, <laughs> but, but that sense of we can find that perspective. And for me, perspective is such an important facet of how we live and our mm. faith and everything we are and so i'd like to have that and so comedians and and humor adds that awesome awesome well thank you so much this is just a brief quick few questions um hopefully uh people at home will feel like they got to know a little bit about you um before they get to really meet you in the fall um hopefully yeah. when we 
get together in person in the fall. I can just picture uh, folks in the gallery outside the sanctuary. They're going to be swarming. So um, get ready. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the fall and meeting everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get a piece of it um, this Sunday with uh, the, the terrace in person, yes. which I'm very excited about. But for sure, when we when we, when we uh, hit homecoming and have a chance to gather all together, it'll be so fun and exciting to meet all of our faith family and friends um, and gather together and laugh or not laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some laughing. I'm sure of it. So thank you so much for joining me today, Jonah. And um, everyone at home, we hope you're having a wonderful summer. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Crossroads. Managing Editor, Jamie Staley. And Editors, Vashina Brisbane, Kelly Picayo, and Emily Dombrough.